0: all right y'all you can be seated it's so good to be at king's kona today and uh we've been island hopping with the breakout tour uh i had never been to hawaii before and my introduction was to go to five islands so it's been intense and i've preached i think 13 or 14 times in the last 15 days and so it's been it's been crazy but it's been a lot of fun and we've seen god do some really special things in the young people we've seen people get healed physically we've seen people get delivered and set free and god's just been moving in such a special way and uh, i'm excited to be with your you here today because the same god that moves in students the same God that's been moving on the islands is present here to meet the needs that you have. And so uh, before I jump into the Word, i got to honor your pastors, Pastor Jacob and Minister Leah. Are you thankful you're, for your pastors? You guys have, yeah, come on, if you're thankful for them. Um, you guys have deeply impacted my life. And I was thinking about, um, I visited a church that we grew up in um, maybe a year ago. And in worship, I was just being myself. I was just worshiping the Lord. And there was this guy who turned around who had known me my whole life. And he was like, "He was like, I, I couldn't believe it was you because you were being so vocal. And when you were a kid, you were so quiet and timid. And I was like, I've never been accused of being quiet or timid or any of the above. But I started thinking about it. And I remembered that before I was in junior high school, I was so timid. I was so quiet. I was so afraid to speak, Um, but then you guys introduced me to the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, and let me know that there's not just two of them. There's a lot of churches, they celebrate Father, they celebrate the Son, but did you know there's a third who is equally God, whose name is Holy Spirit, and when the Holy Spirit comes and lives in our life, there's a boldness that comes, and my life was completely transformed when the Holy Spirit came into my life. And I started thinking about this testimony. I started thinking about how my fruit is your fruit. And I started thinking about when I was a youth pastor, we we preached and we ministered to hundreds of students. And I started thinking about this one particular testimony. It's odd, but God brought it to my memory. I preached to this girl who gave her life to Jesus for the first time in one of our meetings. She then goes to college the next year, starts a Bible club on her college. And I met someone who came and gave their life to Jesus because of that girl. And so this girl who gave her life to Jesus on a college campus is going to be in heaven one day because of your ministry. And you'll, ne- you'll never know, but you're gonna meet her in heaven one day. And so one more time, can we just thank your pastors? We have, you have incredible pastors here. They pray for you. And uh, I, I'm so grateful for them and I'm kind of jealous of you guys uh, that you get to sit under their ministry. But uh, I also want to honor my wife who's watching online right now, I've been married for eight years uh, and I've been away from her for 16 days. So I'm super excited to get back with her. I've got two boys, Micah Joel's, my four year old. And uh, he's crazy, man. We were in a public place not too long ago and, and uh, he started yelling, he said, I want to shoot guns. I want to shoot guns with my papa, I want to shoot guns. I'm like, you got to chill out. Normally it wouldn't bother me, but we were on an airplane. That's where he was <laughs> saying these things and TSA was asking us questions, it was nerve wracking. And The other day he asked my wife, he said, where did my little brother come from? And I wasn't ready to have that conversation with him, so we just said Jesus and left it at that. And if you're younger in the room and don't understand, just ask your parents about that joke later. But uh, we've also got a, an 11-month-old Carter J, and uh, man, I, I love my family, and I honor you guys, and um, the fruit that we've seen here, it's it's because of their yes as well. You know, in ministry, it takes a sacrifice, not just of the minister, not just of the preacher, but of the entire family. And so uh, today, I want to preach to you a message on a very simple Topic, But before I do that I want to ask you a question. Is there anyone in the room who is a professional at losing things? You're just you lose stuff all the time. Come on be honest. If you are a wife go ahead and out your husband right now These are professional losing things. I lose stuff all the time. I'm getting better. I'm recovering. Hello My name is John and I lose stuff and I I I do this all the time, I lose my keys, and here's the biggest flaw, not just that I lose stuff, but my biggest flaw is that I blame other people when I lose stuff. So, like, uh, I will blame my wife. I'll say, Kaylee, where did you put my stuff? And she never moves my stuff. I just forget where I put it. And so I remember one particular time I lost my keys, and um, I was looking everywhere for them. I'm getting to the point where I'm frantic. I've got to go. I'm flipping up the couch cushions. I'm looking everywhere. I'm looking under the bed. Kaylee, where did you put my keys? I didn't put them anywhere. I never move your stuff. You just always lose stuff. And so I'm getting frustrated, and I finally get to the point where I've looked everywhere. I've looked everywhere and, and my wife asked me, she said, John, have you checked your pockets? Have you ever had this situation happen where you're searching for something and of course there they are in my pocket. And uh, have you ever had this situation where you're just like, I am I'm the stupidest individual that has ever lived on the earth. But I was already in possession of what I was searching for. And if you're a believer here today, you're in covenant with Jesus, here's what I believe. You have a tool, you have a key, you have a gift that God has given you that you are already in possession of that is going to cause you to be victorious over the enemy. You're already in possession of a weapon that is going to cause you to live in victory, to have a comeback in your life. And and I want to tell you what that is, but before I tell you what this key is, what this tool is, I want to warn you it's really, really simple. Like annoyingly simple. Like when I share this with you, you're gonna be like, of course you would say that you're a pastor. And, and uh, but have you learned that solutions to our issues in life are oftentimes simple? They're rarely complex. Like like if you're married in the room and you're having communication issues, sometimes we're like, man, we need to go get counseling. You might just need a calendar on your fridge to communicate the dates, you know, the things that are going on in your, you know, or Google Calendar, it's, it does the shared thing. You can do Cal invites, et cetera, it's amazing. Technology is awesome. It's awesome. If, if you're if you're feeling heavy every day, you're like, man, I just feel overwhelmed and I'm heavy and I'm just and I can't figure out what it is. It might not be deliverance that you need. You might just need to drink more water. You might just need to stop drinking soda. This is a word that will set somebody free. Come on, somebody. And here's what I found in pastoring people. I would sit with students and uh, even when I was in Maui, there was a student that came up to me and he was just like, I'm just tired all the time. I'm tired, please pray for me, I'm tired all the time. And what he wanted me to do was lay hands on him so he could fall out and not be tired anymore. Set him free of the tired demon. <laughs> but my question was not like, how can I pray? My question was this, how much sleep are you getting? How late are you scrolling on your phone? What, here's what I'm saying. Practical things, simple things, are oftentimes the solution to our issues and I've pastored people and students would come and sit in my office and I'd give them a simple answer and they would hate simple answers because they wanted to stay bound and they wanted the answer to be so complex and so over their head that they couldn't do anything about it. But when I give you a simple tool, then there's no excuses left. Smile at me. Everyone smile at me. It's going to be a good morning. We're going to be happy today. And so I've got a simple key for you that I want to share that I believe is going to cause breakthrough to happen in your life, in your family, and in this region. I believe that a key to your comeback, to your breakthrough, to you being victorious over the enemy is simply found in your praise. It's found in your praise. Now, if you don't know what praise is, praise is not the fast songs at the beginning of the worship set. Praise is not the high, praise is giving glory to God. Praise is lifting up the name of Jesus. Here's what Psalm chapter 60 says. It says, let God arise and the enemy will be scattered. And so when we lift up the name of Jesus, something happens where the grip of the enemy is broken from our life. And so I'm gonna talk for just a few moments on why we abandon our praise, why we throw away this key, and two reasons why we need to desperately, with everything in us, get it back. And so here's the first thought. We're just gonna jump right in. Why do, we, why do we hang up our praise? Why do we get rid of our praise? Why do we throw the key away? Here's number one, and it's kinda heavy. I'm coming in hot. We throw away our praise because of pride. Any prideful people in the room, you're not gonna raise your hand, right? <laughs> then you'd be set free. Be humble. I, I remember a time where pride almost took my actual life, Minister Ryland. This was a terrifying moment. It was a couple of months ago and I was eating brisket. Stay with me, okay, hang with me. I was eating brisket at my pastor's house. Honor my pastor who allowed me to be here for three weeks. Pastor Dustin and Jamie Bates, they're incredible. I love you. So yeah, anyway. I was, at his, I was at his house, and uh, I'm trying to impress him, you know, trying to impress my pastor because who's not trying to impress their pastor? And so uh, I'm there at Easter, and, and they're serving brisket, and I take a bite of the brisket, and it's a pretty large piece. And you know the decision point where you're like, I should probably chew this a little bit more, but then you decide not to chew it a little bit more. You try to swallow it. I tried to do that. I tried to swallow it, and it got stuck in my throat. And <laughs> I try to swallow again, and it's still, it's just like stuck in there. I swallow two or three times and I'm just like, don't panic. Don't let anyone know you're choking. We're eating outside. So I stand up slowly and I just walk over to his fence like I'm just like looking at it. Just like just like I'm considering purchasing this fence. I'm just like <laughs> knocking on it. It's just good. This is good wood. Home Depot wood. I like it. And uh, and I'm choking. And, and I'm still fighting to get this thing down. I can't breathe. I'm starting to get nervous. I look over it and there's a doctor at this lunch. I see this doctor. I'm like, he could get this brisket out of me. He could. He's this brisket would stand no chance against Doctor Rick. And so I'm thinking, but the problem is, the doctor would have no problem. He's a chiropractor, so he literally he would like he, he'd be great at it. But the problem is, I, I'm too prideful. <laughs> because I would have had to go in front of this guy and put my hands on my throat and let everyone know at Easter lunch that I was dying. <laughs> and. and And if it was in the middle of the meal, I would have been fine, but it was the first bite, y'all, the very first bite, I started choking. My three-year-old son's just happily eating brisket, and I, as a grown man, am about to die. So I make up in my mind, I'm not going to ask the doctor. No one's doing the Heimlich on me for Easter lunch. So I've set myself up for two pathways. Number one, I'm either going to get the brisket down myself. You're taking notes. This is a good story. Continue to take notes. This is going to bless your life. (laughs) Either I'm going to get the brisket down myself or I'm going to find a corner and quietly die because I'm not going to get anybody's help. And I just imagine the scenario where I go to the gates of heaven and Jesus is just like, I tried. I tried with you. I tried to use you. You were too stupid. I tried. I got the brisket down. Bless God. I'm here. I'm alive to tell the story. God is good and God is faithful. I told you that stupid story to tell you this, that pride will choke the life out of you. That's not fair. You make them laugh. They drop their guard and then jab to the face. That's how you preach, just like that. Just a quick uppercut, in love. Pride will steal the breath that was intended for God, and it will cause you to suppress the praise that he's intended you to live with what kind of pride do you have in your life that is preventing you from praising the way you were designed to praise? Maybe for some, it's spiritual pride. It's like, man, I've been a part of church my whole life, and so I don't need to do that desperation thing. I remember one time I was at a youth camp, and I was in the very back of the sanctuary, and I was watching all these students up at the front. They were going crazy. They were dancing. They were lifting their hands. They were crying. They were on their knees. And I looked up. I was sitting there from the back, and I just laughed. And I said, man, I remember when I was that kid, and I heard Holy Spirit say, I wish you still were. And many times spiritual pride will get us to the point where we say, I don't really need to, I don't need to get expressive, I don't need to dance, I don't need to lift my hands because I've been there, I've done that, I've felt the presence and I've kind of gotten comfortable with the way that things are. Spiritual pride will rob you of your praise. Here's the thing, pride and praise can't coexist. This is why the enemy was, was, uh, resigned his job as worship leader in heaven because he said, I shall become like the most high. It was pride. He, he elevated himself. And when pride comes in, praise leaves. And when, and when praise comes in, Pride leaves. What is it? Is it pride in your status? Is it pride in who you are? Is it pride in your title? Is it, is it pride, I don't want people to think that I'm weird. What kind of pride is keeping you from praising God today? And I think about King David. He just destroys this mentality. King David, one day, the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God, is coming into Israel. And the Bible says David is dancing with all of his might. He's going, he's going all the way in, and so much so that his wife is like, stop, you're embarrassing me. And David, this is a scripture where David strips down to a linen ephod. and, And here's what the picture is. This is King David, king of Israel, in public, wearing common people clothes. The, the, the most prestigious man in the entire nation has now taken off of his taken off of his title, taken off his royal robe and and he's stripped down to where he looks like a common man here's the principle when the presence of god arrives our earthly status our earthly titles are our, our, our personality, all of that is stripped off so that we can stand before the king and worship him the way that he was he's to wor- desires to be work desires to be worshipped i heard a preacher say it like this you don't get to pretend to be a king in front of the king and don't we do that sometimes in church we're like it's The way that we worship has become so commercialized that we come in coffee in hand and and, and we're just like, okay, preacher, entertain me. I'll worship if the worship team sings my song. If we go into that bridge that I like that always makes me emotional, then I'll worship. But listen, whether you like the preaching or not, whether you like the set list or not, it does not change the fact that my God is worthy of glory and honor and power and praise forever. We've got to allow our pride to die Allow your praise to kill your pride or your pride will kill your praise. Those are kind of our two options, right? And here's the thing, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll talk to men particularly. Let me talk to the men in the room. And uh, men will tell me like, well, I'm just not emotional. It's not an emotional guy, you know? All that dancing and crying and jumping and lifting my hands, it's just, that's just not who I am. But I have found, ladies, you may help me out with this, that if you take that same man and carry him over to a football stadium with his favorite team, all of a sudden this non-expressive man has got his shirt off and his chest is painted the color of their team and the other side of the stadium's like, D! And he's like, Fence! And he's going and he's crying when they lose, he's celebrating when they win, he's dancing, he's hugging his friends, and I'm like, I don't think that the problem is that you're not expressive. And I'm not, you know, tearing anybody down. I'll go crazy for my team. I, I love sports, but, but here's what I, I've made up in my mind and in my heart that, that a team <laughs> in tights chasing a football is not going to get more praise than the God who bled for me and tied for me and <laughs> healed for me and set my feet on solid ground. He is more deserving our, of our praise than any idol that we can create. It's, it's pride that will cause us to hang up our praise, to abandon our praise. And, uh, man, I remember just a couple months ago, um, I just began to worship the Lord. And have you ever met with the Lord in such a way that you start to get your ugly cry on? You know what I'm talking about? We are really good at cute praise. We, we're, we're really good at, at, at praising in a pretty way. And, and letting everyone see, uh, like the, we'll do the sway, the lift our hands, but but it, you know, and I've been guilty of that. But then there's times when you really press into the Lord, when you really start to encounter Him and you start to get your ugly cry on. I was at this conference and I was spending time with Jesus and and all, I was just like, it was an ugly, ugly cry. All sorts of fluids were coming out of my face. It was, it was disgusting. I'm just telling you right now, the carpet square that I was on should be burned and forever destroyed. But I was, I was sitting there, and I just know that there was someone who is in this section looking over at me going, Ooh. it's like that's gross, it's disgusting, and it was, but, but let me tell you something, real praise will always invite critics. Real praise will make religious people uncomfortable. Real praise will cause people to say, oh, that's a little bit excessive. Ah, he's just trying to put on a show. He's just trying to get everyone's attention. People have been telling me that my whole life, you're too passionate. And then I'm the first one that they call when someone is sick and they need healing, and I just don't understand this. And and so here's the thing is we need to understand that, that many times people will look at you weird when you praise, but can I tell you, I would never trade those beautiful moments in the presence of God for the opinions of any people, praise or pride, but you got to pick one. I think that the second thing that causes us to hang up our praise or get rid of our praise is pain, pain, difficulty, hardship, things that you're facing. And I wouldn't pretend to know what your pain is today. I'm not trying to belittle anybody's pain, but here's what happens when you get injured. Here's what happens if you, if you fall on your knee or somebody punches you. The first thing that you do when you get wounded is you look at the wound. And it would be unrealistic for me to tell you, don't look at the wound. Don't feel the pain. But healing will never come when you look at the wound. Healing comes when you look at the one who can heal the wound. And many times what we do is we look down at our situation, look down at our pain, and as we look down, pain begins to distort the way that we see Jesus, and it robs us of our praise. I see this in, this is in scripture, John chapter 11, uh, Lazarus has just died, and, and Jesus shows up late to, to the funeral. He shows up four days after Lazarus' death, and then Martha, the sister of Lazarus, comes up to Jesus, and if you have that scripture, you can pull that up, John chapter 11. Uh, yes, this one. Verse 21, thank you. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. She addressed him as Lord. Everyone say, Lord. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And then Jesus essentially responds. He says, well, Martha, do you think I can still work a miracle? And then the next verse, I think it's verse 27, if you could show that. She, She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Christ. You're the Son of God who is coming into the world. See, Martha is saying all the right things to Jesus. She's got her church lingo down. She's got the ability to communicate in a way that she knows this is the right answer. But then Martha goes and has a private conversation with Mary. And who we are is revealed in private. How we see Jesus is revealed in this moment. In the next verse, Martha goes, if you could pull up verse 28. uh, Martha goes to Mary. They have a private conversation. And yeah, show up that next verse for me, if you could. I want you to see this. And when she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. So, in one moment, he's Lord. But in private, when the contents of her heart are exposed, when she begins to say how she really sees Jesus, the God that she once saw as Lord has now become teacher. And I just. I wonder if there's people in the room who once believed Jesus was healer and somebody got sick and now I don't see him as healer anymore. You're just a teacher. you got good things to say. You've got quotable phrases, but I don't think you are who you say you are, and it robs us of our praise. I wonder, if there's, I wonder if there's pain in your life that you once believed God was restorer, but then the marriage didn't work out. You once believed that God was, was freedom, but you haven't been able to get free. You once believed that he was deliverer, but you haven't been able to break out of those cycles. You once believed that he was your joy, but you haven't been able to break out of that depression. And instead of leaning into the truth of his word, we've allowed our pain to veil the way that we see him. And he's no longer Lord, he's teacher. The Bible says this, he's the glory and the lifter of our heads. And and so here's my challenge for you today. I I know it's difficult and I know it's painful, but I want to challenge you to take your eyes off of the wound and look up at Jesus because when you look at Jesus, you will realize that he has not been robbed of his throne. Pain has not changed him. He is still good. He is still faithful. He is still kind. He's still full. God has not changed. Even though our pain, our circumstances can oftentimes veil the way that we see Him. Pride will steal our praise. Pain will steal our praise. And I'm going to spend the remainder of our time talking about why it is vital that we get our praise back and begin to praise God the way that we are designed to praise God. And I'm not just talking about in services. I'm talking about when you wake up in the morning, Jesus, I love you, Jesus, I honor you. When your kids are sick, Jesus, I say you are higher than sickness. When you're dealing with temptation, Jesus, you're beautiful. Praise shall ever be on my lips, as the psalmist said. We ought to live a lifestyle of praise, and here's why it's vital. Here's point number three. thought the third thought that I'm gonna bring to you is that praise brings breakthrough and this is all throughout the scripture this is everywhere in the Bible you think about Acts chapter 16 Paul and Silas are in a prison cell and they don't focus on the prison cell they don't try to break through the prison cell all they do is they begin to praise God and God breaks the chains in Joshua chapter 6 the walls of Jericho familiar story they're marching around Jericho in after they marched they lift up a shout in the Hebrew word shout is Ruah. It's a joyful noise. They weren't yelling at the enemy. They weren't yelling at the walls. They were just lifting up the name of Yahweh and it caused the walls to fall. Your praise is powerful. Your praise is powerful and many times the enemy is trying to get you to focus on him and what he's doing He'll tempt you and try to get you to focus on the temptation But if you would just totally ignore him and what he's trying to get your attention and just look up at Jesus Let God arise and the enemy will be scattered It's it's praise. It's praise that brings Breakthrough. I think about this in Matthew chapter one. And uh, you know, anybody ever skip after, skip through the genealogies when you read scripture? Let's be real honest in the places. Okay, come on, my sister. Me too. I'm with you, Jesus. So I don't believe you guys. But Matthew chapter one. If we could pull up that scripture, Matthew chapter one, verse one through three. I'm going to show you something in the genealogy of Jesus. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac was the father of Jacob, and Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers and Judah was the father of Perez and that's what I want to point out to you why are we talking about the genealogy because Judah was the father of Perez now if you've been a part of church for a while you may know that Judah means what Judah means praise but but Perez may be a new name to you Perez means a breach it means a breakthrough so here's what we learn from this genealogy that praise gives birth to break through, that praise brings breakthrough into the earth, that if you are needing God to come through on your behalf, it is our praise that will release what you need. I think about when Solomon was building the temple, I'm jumping all over scripture, but just lean in. I promise, it's like drinking through a fire hydrant this morning, but I promise I'm giving you weapons. I'm giving you weapons. Solomon was building the temple, Solomon was building the temple, and this is the first song that they sang, God, you are good and your mercy endures forever you good and your mercy endures forever and the glory of God fell to where the ministers couldn't even minister. They weren't singing about the glory. They were just lifting him up. See when we praise God, he releases our deepest need into our life. And so many times we need healing and we're like, I hope they sing healer. But if we would just exalt the name of Jesus, he can release what you need. I mean, I need freedom. I hope they sing Eddie James again so I can clap a little louder than before. But but, but if I would just lift up the name of Jesus, praise releases the grip of the enemy. And here in just a few moments, we're gonna give you the opportunity to lift up the name of Jesus. And I'm believing breakthrough is going to come your life and the final thought that i want to pull out for you is that praise will pull you out of the pit praise will pull you out of the pit that you've been in the dark place that you've been in the broken place that you've been in i'm wrapping up because i want to pray and i want to praise. so minister Ryland, if you want to come join me up on the stage but but i think about this guy by the name of joseph we know joseph who had the coat of many colors and this is the last scripture that i'll share with you so uh so i'll take it easy but but joseph was was the guy with the coat of many colors, he had gained the, fa- uh, the favor of his father and his brothers were angry at him. You see how that instantly just makes me sound so spiritual when the keys come in. Just a long dramatic pause and we're all in it, you know what I mean? So, so Joseph had gained the, fa- the favor of his father and then his brothers were so angry that they beat him Take him out into a field. They strip him of his coat and they throw him into a pit. And Joseph is laying there bleeding, broken, confused, backstabbed, and in need of a miracle. And some of you are in the same place right now. Where you feel empty and you feel numb and you feel like I feel the presence of God. You feel you've been feeling off spiritually. You've been feeling that some of you maybe not even backslidden, but you've left your first love and you just feel lifeless. You're like Joseph, laying in the pit, and I just imagine Joseph. He's thinking through his eleven brothers. They were the only ones who knew he was in the pit. So who's going to save me from this pit? It's going to be one of them. He's thinking through his eleven brothers. Who's going to rescue me? Am I going to die in this place? Am I always going to have this stronghold? Am I always going to have this addiction, this struggle, this problem, this sin? Am I always going to be laying here bleeding and dying? Am I always going to be in this situation? He's thinking through, which one of my brothers is going to rescue me? And I was reading through some of his brothers and some of their name meanings are kind of funny. I was reading through, he had a brother named Reuben which means a son is born unto us. So literally the doctor was like, it's a boy. And they're like, That's, I like that name. That sounds good. He had a brother named Levi, which means attached. He had a brother named Naphtali, which means my struggle. Can you imagine your mom naming you my struggle? She was just like, you're the thorn in my flesh, Naphtali. Get away from me. I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> he had a brother named Dan, and I feel like they got lazy naming Dan. You know what I'm talking about? That doesn't sound biblical. It doesn't sound like a biblical name. If your name is Dan, I'm sorry, but they had Reuben, Simeon, Naphtali, Issachar, Zebulun, and Dan. It's just, this, I don't know. He had a brother named Gad, which means good fortune. I have a theory that Gad was ugly. The doctor handed Gad to his mom. She's like, oh my God, so okay. Oh my God. So, so. Shouldn't say that from the Joseph is thinking through all of his brothers. Who's gonna pull me out of this pit? pit? Is it Reuben, the firstborn? Is it Gad? Is it good fortune? Are better times gonna just come into my life, and all of a sudden the cycles that I've been having for years are just gonna magically disappear? Good fortune—that's gonna—that's gonna help me out. Is it my sweat? Is it my difficulty? Is it my struggle? But there's a brother that I haven't told you about, that a brother of Joseph and his name was Judah. It's Judah that said, he's our brother, we're not going to leave him to die. It was Judah that went down into the pit and grabbed his bleeding brother and pulled him out. And remember, Judah means praise. It was praise that said, I'm not going to leave you dying there. It was praise that said, I'm going to pull you out of the pit. If you're going to get out of the place that you've been, the season that you've been in, it's praise that's going to bring you. It's going to bring you out. I know there are a couple of people that were in the conference shared a story last night, Uh, but on August 25th, 11 months ago, I had one of the most terrifying and traumatic days of my life. I'm standing next to my wife in a hospital room, and she's giving birth to our second son, and I'm so excited because this is boy number two. And I only need three more boys and I've got a basketball team and I can't wait. I've got boy number two on its way and I hear the doctors say, come on, just push, give, give, give me one big push and Kaylee gives it everything she's she's got and, and I see my son for the first time and the moment that I saw him, here's what I knew. I knew that the umbilical cord was not supposed to be wrapped around his neck twice, but it was. And I knew that his skin was supposed to look like mine, but it was totally purple. And and I knew that I was supposed to hear him screaming, but I didn't hear anything. And my wife is next to me, she's saying, why don't I hear him? Is everything okay? What is going on? John, what is happening? And I see nurses rushing into the room and doctors rushing into the room. I see them pick up my son Carter and he flops backwards. And I remember thinking in my head, he didn't there was this song, I had some worship playing, and it's saying, when I open up my mouth, miracles start breaking out, so I'm here in this situation where there's death, and literally, they had no heartbeat, he had no breath, they measured the health of babies from 1 to 10, they put him at a zero, it was confirmed that he was stillborn. Decision to make. Do I believe the report of, J- uh, of Joseph? Do I lie in the pit? Do I allow this enemy to pay? Do I allow the enemy who comes to kill, steal, and destroy to have his way? Or do I lock arms with Judah and begin to lift up the name of Jesus? So I begin to pray. I begin to pace the room, and I begin to pray dangerous prayers. I begin to pray passionately. I'm not praying, God, be, your will be done, please just help. I'm, I'm praying in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you that he's gonna breathe again. I thank you that his heart is gonna beat again. I begin to pray passionately. I begin to pray in the spirit. I'm pacing this hospital room. I'm praying in the tongue. And there's literally nurses looking at me, uncomfortable and nervous. I remember looking at a nurse in the eyes. I said, I'm sorry, I'm Pentecostal. And I just kept on praying. People are uncomfortable. People are nervous. People are looking at me weird. Did you know when you need a miracle, you don't care about the opinions of man? When you need God to break through in your family, you're not concerned about, I wonder what they think about my praise. I wonder what they think about me lifting up the name of Jesus. So I'm, I'm declaring life and I'm speaking life and I'm praising the name of Jesus before I see a miracle. And there's a moment, it felt like an eternity, but I felt the presence of God come in the room. Come on. And when the presence of God comes, death leaves. Did you hear me? When the presence of God comes, death leaves. I don't know what you're dealing with today, but when the presence of God comes, addictions go. When when the presence of God comes, healing is is released. And I was in this moment where I was nervous and I'm thinking about me carrying an empty car seat home. And I'm thinking about me tearing down the crib and putting it back in the attic. And I'm thinking about this situation where I'm past the room where he was supposed to be laid and, and, and thinking about why is it empty. And I'm thinking about all of these things But then the presence of God comes, and maybe 30 seconds after I feel the presence of God come into the room, the doctor walks over and says, we've got a heartbeat. God raised my son. God raised my son from the dead. I don't know if you believe in miracles or not, but let this be a testimony to you that God still raises the dead. God still heals the sick. God still breaks Change and it's my praise that initiates breakthrough. Come on, Come on, send your feet all over this room. Come on, speak to your situation
1: right now. Speak to that sin. Speak to that addiction. Come on, God. my champion
0: all across this room just begin to praise in the midst of your pain praise in the midst of that broken situation we thank you for victory victory is in the house victory is in the house breakthrough is in the house in the name of Jesus come on we make you higher than our problems we make you higher than our issues we we it's a being thrown upon the praises of a thousand generations right now, Jesus. We lift up, the, come on, your own voice,
1: your own song. We lift you up, we lift you up.
0: Come on, you're going to need to practice this when there's no worship team behind you, when there's no drum building your faith, Is there still praise in your heart. Can your praise be on your lips when no one's telling you to do it, when no one's hyping you up? We bless the name of Jesus. Can I pray for you? Awesome. Just lift your hands. Thank you for this woman of God. There's a turnaround coming to your family in the name of Jesus. We declare breakthrough right now. God is unlocking something in you through this principle. And I just see you almost like in warfare. lifting up the name of Jesus, and I don't know what your need is. I don't know, but there's something significant that's just kind of like going on in your family. As you lift up the name of Jesus, God is saying, I'm going to, I'm putting your family in my, he's got your family in his hand. And I just thank you for the heart to worship, the heart to praise. And God, I thank you that as she begins to lift you up, we break the plan of the enemy. We break the plan of the enemy over your life. We break the plan of the enemy over, over this marriage. We break the plan enemy in Jesus name God every area where the enemy is trying to creep in and slip in we break the grip of the enemy now and we say a release of life and peace in the name of Jesus thank you Holy Spirit thank you Holy Spirit minister Adele I just want to say to you I heard Holy Spirit just saying thank you for being faithful Thank you for being faithful. Would you lift your hands? I just pray for you. God, thank you for this woman of God. Your impact is so much greater than you know. And you've reached so many more people than you thought you've reached and even playing the, the behind-the-scenes role and, and what you've done in secret, the ways that you've served in secret. I just see heaven cheering you on. And I see many, many people that have given their life to Jesus because you were saying, I'm willing to play the background role and serve other people's vision. And God just wants to say he's proud of you. Let we just speak a special blessing over Minister Adele right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I want to take a moment and pray for Pastor Jacob and Minister Leah, if you guys don't mind. If you guys would, stretch your hands towards your pastors. God, I thank you for this amazing couple, and we just thank you for an increase in your presence. We thank you for an increase in your power in the name of Jesus. I saw this picture in worship, I saw Jesus, it was like he was carrying greater levels of anointing and greater levels of authority and revival. And there was like this line of preachers and ministries and they were all holding buckets. The buckets were labeled and and some buckets said talented and some buckets said resourceful. And then I saw you guys holding this bucket that said trustworthy. And God said, that's what I'm looking for. God says he's gonna pour out his spirit on you in a greater measure because you're trustworthy, because you're trustworthy, because you've been faithful in secret, because you're the same on and off the stage. So we thank you, Jesus, for greater measures of your glory, greater measures of your presence. God, we thank you for this building that's coming. And we say you're sending the masses, and it's not just gonna be numbers, but it's gonna be signs and wonders and miracles. God, we thank you for the wells of the 1800s in Hawaii. And we say greater, greater, greater works shall you do. Greater works shall you do. Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard. We thank you for more in the name of Jesus. One more time with hands lifted all across this room. We lift up the name of Jesus. And we declare victory in this house. Come on, can we
1: sing that one more time? When I... And when I lift my voice and shout, every wall comes crashing down, and I have the